Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Amen? Amen. And amen. It's going to be turning your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah in chapter 1. I um, Actually, we're going to somewhat start a Wednesday night series in the book of Jonah. I'm going to kind of start it this morning. I'm going to go a little further than I normally would on a Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we'll go back and review some of it. But I wanted to start it on a Sunday morning for a reason. Number one, it's an incredible story. And number two is to invite some of you to join us on Wednesday nights. If you've got children, you understand the importance of having them in church. You understand the importance of what the, the devil is trying to do, what the devil is, is attempting to do uh, in every life, and certainly in the lives of our children. So if you've got children, they, they need to be involved in Sunday school at 930 they need to be involved in Wednesday nights. We have something, everything from Treehouse and, and Awana, which is kaboom in the summer, and Awana here in, in the middle school program, the high school program. We even have a college career program, and right here, we do a Bible study, and it's just kind of a small-scale Wednesday night. We do a couple of old hymns around the piano, just kind of knocks the dust off, and to be honest, it just invites the Holy Spirit's presence into this place on Wednesday nights. It's just really good, and we kind of do a, a little bit of a verse-by-verse study so i just i want to invite you if you would to to join us if you can just try a couple wednesday nights and see see what god would would do there for you what god would have we um you know you mentioned the the story of, of jonah regardless of how you say it how you bring it how you put that name out when you say the name jonah what's the first thing that comes to mind of course, it's got to be the whale. It's all about the fish. And we teach that to the children. Everybody remembers. And, and that's like the, the big topic, Jonah and the whale. Uh, probably, possibly one of the most talked about stories in, in all the Bible. But a lot of the talk is about the whale. In all honesty, Jonah's not about a whale. The whale is not the star of the show in the book of Jonah. God is. Love is. Mercy is. See, the, the whale is just something to show us how God can use anything to accomplish his purpose. How God can use anything to protect you. We'll see if God wanted Jonah dead, he'd have been dead. God wanted Jonah alive, he used the fish to protect him. But he also used the fish to, to create a purpose, to create something. So this morning, I, I want to take just a little bit I tell you, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We do have the children's training today, and, and all of you that are involved in that, certainly um, we'll see you at the gym right after, and we'll be here from 1 to 2. But I'm going to read a couple of verses to start, and then we'll, we'll read other verses as we go through it this morning. But Jonah, chapter 1, beginning in verse number 1, says that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. I, I want to look for just a little bit this morning at the inescapable call of God. Father, thank you so much for being so good. God, I thank you for grace and I thank you for mercy. God, I pray right now, Father, you know the things that, that, that are going on. You know things that go on with children. Father, you know all things. God, I pray right now you would... Place your hands on all things. I pray that it will be accomplished. I pray you give guidance and direction on the things that we need here on this campus, Father. I pray, Lord, you meet with us here at this church. I pray you touch each one of us and help us, God. We just want to be servants. God, I pray you'd help us to see us the way you see us. 
I pray, Father, you'd help us to surrender everything that we might be usable vessels. We love you, God. You've been so good to us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So the book of Jonah is actually an autobiography. It's written by Jonah. We just finished on Wednesday night studying the book of Acts. It took two years and three weeks as we went <laughs> through Acts. And Acts is an incredible book, obviously. It's about the Acts of the Apostles. It's about the beginning of the church. But it's written by Luke, the physician. Not The Holy Spirit certainly used him as he did all to pen the things. But, but Luke was an eyewitness to a lot of things. But Jonah's not an eyewitness. Jonah's the man. I mean, there, there's not anybody that can know more about what goes on in the mind of a man than the man himself, Right? So, so Jonah here is one of the prophets of the Old Testament. He's during the time of Jer Jeroboam. He's used greatly by God. And, and, and we know that prophets are those who are sent by God to convey messages from God. So a prophet's a pretty powerful title, right? To be sent by God to convey messages from God, to have that title, prophet, to carry that name, that, that's a pretty powerful name. So Jonah being a prophet... <coughs> He thought he knew God. He, he thought he knew about God. But Jonah doesn't know God as well as he thinks he knows God. See, he knows that God is a forgiving God. He knows that God is a merciful God. He, he, he knows that God, because of his own life, he knows that God is a compassionate God. But what Jonah doesn't realize is how much God loves sinners. Hello, somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. Jonah didn't realize how far God would go to save a sinful people. See, the story of Jonah gets all caught up in the whale. But there's so much more than the whale. There's so many more people than, than just Jonah. We look at the book of Jonah, and, and when we see there, when we get to, to the Ninevites, possibly one of the greatest revivals that, that ever happens in all the Bible. But the book is full of the supernatural powers of God using the natural things of this earth to create his goal. We see things, and they're not just a great fish, but you've got the gourd or, or the vine. You've got the, the worm. You've got the east wind. You've got the strong storm that we see here in the opening chapters and, and how God used the storm. And when they cast you on overboard, chapter 1, verse 16 says that the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. So we have God using all of these things, all of creation, using them for his glory to accomplish his will. But here's God's will. Anybody ready? To save people. God's purpose, God's will, God's desire, everything in this entire story is to bring sinners to repentance. See, Jonah, Jonah's got some problems, but they're no different than the problems that you and I face today. Jonah didn't know God well enough to grieve over sin the way God grieves over sin. Jonah knew some things about God, but Jonah doesn't know God well enough to rejoice over the repentance of a sinner the way God rejoices over repentance of sinners. You know, when Jesus you talked about the parable of the hundred sheep, Luke chapter 15, and, and one was lost, and he talked about gaining the one, he said in verse number 7, I say unto you that likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. See, 
Jonah has a problem. He doesn't realize how much God loves not just sinners like me. You know, we don't look at ourselves quite the same way. He doesn't realize that God doesn't just love sinners like him, but God loves sinners like the Ninevites. Cruel, wicked, torturous, one of the most brutal societies ever on the planet. He doesn't realize how much God loves even them. See, he, he thought he knew God, but he also thought that he was better than the Ninevites. He, he thought he knew something about God, but he didn't realize that God loved them the same way God loved him. Jonah's got the same kind of problem that we have today. We think we know God. We know of God. We, we know the things we've read in the book. We know some things about God. But how much do we truly know God? Think about it like this. How much grace? How much mercy and forgiveness did it take to save you. How much mercy did it take to forgive somebody like me? I mean, if we look at our own lives and we look at the sins that, that we've committed and we look at how nasty were we before we were saved, but that's not the end of our nasty. What kind of things have we done against God since we've been saved? But, but then like Jonah, you know, now that we've been washed, now that we're all holy and all. Now, now that we had our name written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, now that we're, we're sanctified, we're cleansed. We think we have a right to judge somebody else. We, we forget all that God has forgiven us for. And, and we think we have a right to decide who gets in and who doesn't. We think we have a right when we know God wants us to witness to somebody, we know God wants us to just extend a, a handshake to somebody. Just, just, just a pat on the back. You don't even know them. You just see them. And we think we have a right to look on them and say, man, in all of their nastiness and in all their filth and all that foul language and all they got going on in their life, I'm not even going to waste my time to witness to them. Thank God that the person that witnessed to me didn't feel that way. Thank God that in all my nastiness, somebody loved God enough to talk to me anyway. In all of my filth, somebody loved God and loved people the way God said to enough to, to love me in spite of me. We look at people and we think they deserve to be punished. Well, so do we. And it's only by God's mercy that we're not going to be. So what we really see in this story is it's not just the, it's not just the Assyrians that, that God is looking to change. It's Jonah. It's not just the heart of the Assyrians that God is concerned about. God is concerned about the heart of Jonah. God is concerned about the heart of one of his own prophets. You know, there's a lot of people that have tried to discredit this story. 
There's a lot of people who want to call it a metaphorical story or a parable like Jesus taught in parables. They want to try to change things around and say it's a fabricated story or it's something that's put there. It's a great story for the children. But, but that's not what the Word of God says. Now, one of the things that we looked at last Wednesday night as we looked at creation is if God or if the devil can discredit any verse in the Word of God, then he can discredit the entire Word of God. If he can show you in one verse that it's not true, if the Holy Spirit can't be trusted in one verse, then he can't be trusted in your salvation story. So it's no wonder that the devil works so hard to try to discredit the incredible miracles of God, the miraculous things that God does, and it boils down to one simple fact. You either believe God or you don't. You don't pick and choose. There are no exceptions. It's either God said or it's a sort of kind of. But if we're a child of God and God said, then God said. And we know that everything is true. But see, here, here's what I can know from the word of God. See, Jesus being the son of God, he said in Matthew chapter 12 that Jonah was a real story. He said in verse number 9, as, as they wanted a, a sign, the Pharisees looking for a sign, he called them an evil and adulterous generation. He said, you seeketh after sign, but there's no sign given but the sign of the prophet Jonah's. For as Jonah's was, three days, not parable, not fabricated, not made up, not exaggerated, three days, three nights, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus said he's in the whale's belly three days, three nights, period. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He says that everything that was made was made by him. And that without him was not anything made that was made. That tells me that Jesus was before the foundation of the world and will be after all things is gone. And Jesus is the one that knows. And if Jesus said Jonah was a real person and the well is a real story, that's good enough for me. See, it doesn't matter. We live in a society. It doesn't matter what somebody else says. They can call themselves a theologian. They can call themselves a scholar of the scripture. But if they deny anything true in this book, they cannot call themselves a Christian. You cannot call yourself a disciple of God if you do not believe in the word of God. So we have this society that's trying to, to, to tear things down. There's no doubt Jonah is a prophet. Jonah's a great prophet. You study from other writings, you find out some things. But, but what we see here is that Jonah is used greatly by God. All, all throughout the book, if you, if you study, you'll find that Jonah is used greatly by God. But in this book, that Jonah writes, this little four-chapter book, this story that, that Jonah tells us about, he doesn't boast on the great things God did through him. He doesn't boast on all of the right things that happened. Jonah talks about his failures. See, Jonah takes time to write a book about probably the greatest mistake of his life, the greatest doubt of his life, the greatest failure of his life. Jonah takes time to write a book, possibly the greatest missionary story in the gospel that talks about leading to possibly the greatest revival in all of the Bible. It happens through a man's failures. Before you look at how much grace it took to forgive a wicked city like Nineveh, 
how much grace, how much mercy does it take to forgive a rebellious prophet? See, it's one thing to sin because you really don't know. Maybe you wasn't raised in church. Maybe you don't know a lot of things. It's one thing to sin because you really don't know. But once you know, it's another thing to go ahead and sin anyway. But what about if you carry the title that I am a prophet of God sent by God to deliver the word from God and God told me something and I looked him in the eye and said, no, I'm not going to do that. How much mercy does it take? I mean, which would, which would ruffle your feathers more? Some little old child somewhere mouthing off to you that you don't know and you figure he just don't know no better? Or your own child look in your eye and say, no, I'm not doing that. I know which one would suffer the consequences. <laughs> My reaction is probably both of them and I'd go to jail, but that's the side point. <laughs> so so you got to see the mercy that it takes for Jonah. And here it is, in the face of one of the greatest rejections in the Bible, that God uses it for one of the greatest revivals in the Bible. Don't miss your level of importance in the kingdom work of God. Don't miss how many great things God can do through you. Don't let the devil tell you that your failures are too bad to be used by God, because those are lies from hell. God's looking to use people. God, God, God could have sent a host of angels to, to, to Nineveh, but he didn't. God, God sent a man, just like he sent Moses to Egypt, God sent Jonah to Nineveh. So, so you, you see God doing an incredible work, and what you see is that you can run if you want to. You can try to hide if you want to. You can try to get away from the will of God if you want to. But you cannot get away from God. You cannot get away from God's call. You cannot get away from God's purpose. You cannot get away from God's will. Arise, go to Nineveh. That great city in Cry against it for their wickedness. He's come up before me. There, there have been few civilizations that are as cruel as the Ninevites. That they were a, a brutal people. To, to the Jews, that meant torture. It meant agony. It meant, it meant doom. It was everything bad. Now, when Jonah heard the word of God, Jonah said, good enough for them. They deserve it. Let them perish. You remember last week, we, we looked at the three examples of the house fire? Y'all remember the third one we looked at? What if it was somebody that you really, they just, that's just like your enemy. I mean, you've tried to, to, to not dislike them, but like you can't stand them. Y'all remember? And we saw if you drove by and you saw their house on fire and their cars outside, what would you do? And, and would, would you, good enough for them. Let you and your children and everybody you know die in that fire. You deserve it, would you? Of course not. Because love's stronger than hate. And that's what we looked at last week. You, you would do everything you could to try to help. Jonah didn't. Jonah said, good enough for you. I hope you burn to death in it. I hope your children burn with you. I hope the whole stinking generation dies in the fire because you deserve it. That's what Jonah said. 
That, 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 that's what he tried to do. He said, see, he said let, let them burn. See, God told Jonah something we're not told about until chapter 3. But God told Jonah that in 40 days, if they don't repent, then they're going to be overthrown. 40 days, if they don't repent, I'm going to take care of them. I, I'm, I'm going to get rid of them. I'm going to destroy them. See, God never destroys anything or anybody without a warning. Just a little plug note right here. If God's giving you some stop signs, you better pay attention. You're doing something wrong in your life and God's giving you some stop signs, you better look around, pay attention. You better turn your backside around. What we're about to do is run stop signs. Eventually, God gives us red lights and we start getting to the red lights because that's a little bit more authoritative than a stop sign, right? Until eventually you start running red lights. Well, that's all free. The problem with Jonah was that when he heard that if they don't repent in 40 days, that God's going to destroy them. That's the best news he ever heard. He wanted them destroyed. He wanted God to do business against them. See, here's the problem. What God wept over, Jonah rejoiced over. See, that, that, that's no different than us. What God wept over, Jonah Rejoice though. See, Jonah knew enough to know about God to know that there's, there's going to, if there's no repentance, then there's no forgiveness. That's the same as a Christian. You can't say, Lord, save me and go on living your hell on earth life and not surrender your heart and call yourself a Christian. Repentance means to turn from, turn away from the sin, turn away from the old life. Say, Father, I surrender everything to you. I'm asking you to save my soul and change my life. Not just change my eternity. Change me now. You want your eternity changed, you got to be changed now. There, there's got to be a cleansing. And, and so Jonah knows if there's no repentance, then there can't be any change of direction. He told God in chapter 4. He said, that's the reason I ran. I, I fled unto Tarshish. I knew there art a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger of great kindness, and repenteth thee of the evil. Jonah said, I knew you would forgive them. If they repented, I knew you'd forgive them. And I didn't want them forgiven. I wanted them punished. That's why I ran. They deserved it. It's easy for us to look at somebody else's mistakes, failures, sins, and say they deserve it. But we always have a really good reason for why we did what we did. I have a really good explanation as to... As to why I did what I did. Well, no, it, yeah, that's not exactly like them. Because they just, I, I have a good reason for mine. I have several resources for the book of Jonah that I'm going to use on Wednesday night. But one of them I want to use is the course journal. We recently did Secret Church. How many of you men came to Secret Church? Wow, there was more of us than that there. Came to Secret Church, but y'all didn't come to church. So, so Secret Church was, was a crash course. We started at like 6 p.m. I think on a Friday night. Went to 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And did like a crash course in Jonah. Really, really good course. A lot of, lot of things in it. But there, there's some things at the front part of the book that, that I want to use this morning. It says that the very first thing that God said was arise. The first word out of God's mouth, arise. That the word arise means, means to get up. It's to rise up. It's to stand up. Everything about arise has something to do with an upward motion. And, and, and Jonah's called up, but then he's sent up. 
The next three words that, that God speaks is go to Nineveh. Well, Nineveh is the capital city of the empire to the extreme north, which is north of where, where Jonah is at. And, and so he's told to get up and, and he's told to, to go up. So we have a second command in, in an upward motion. Go to that great city and cry up against them for their wickedness has come up to me. So everything is about an upward motion and, and Jonah gets up. But that's the only thing he did right. He got up and then he headed down. He, he, he got up and, and he went down to, to go in, in the wrong direction. See, he got up. He's supposed to get up and carry help to those who are in spiritual trouble. He's supposed to get up and carry help to those who needed help. But he got up. And he went in the wrong direction. See, what, what we see through all, all throughout this study that comes from, from that, that book there, that course study, is that when you deliberately go against anything of God, you will go down both spiritually and physically. You cannot go against God and it not cost you something. So Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish and he went down. So it looked like he's going to do right, but he did wrong. So it's not about the first move, it's about all the moves. So he gets up, he goes down, he, and he goes down to Joppa. He finds a, a ship that's going down to Tarshish. That would have been the extreme southern end of the Mediterranean. He's, going to go as, he's supposed to go as far north as he can on that continent, but he's going to go as far south as he can on that body of water in the opposite direction. And, and, and he paid the ferry, went down into the ship. Here's the deal, when you don't, Listen to what the Lord is leading. Not only do you go down, but you take others down with you. It says in verse number four that a great wind, God sent out, the Lord sent out a great wind in the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, and the ship was like to be broken. The mariners were afraid and cried out in verse number five, every man his God cast forth the wares in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But then look what it says. Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship he lay and was fast asleep. Four times in three verses, you find God's prophet in a downward motion. It's a pretty important word. See, in Isaiah chapter 14, when God's talking about the downfall of Satan, and Satan says, I'll rise above the kingdom of God and all the things he wanted to ascend into the heavens and do great. Here was his judgment, Isaiah 14, 15. Thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That is the exact same Hebrew word that is used here to describe Jonah's condition. See how far a prophet can fall just from saying no to God? Verse number six, God uses the shipmaster again to tell Jonah, arise, call upon thy God, and so be, you now think upon us that we perish not. Here's the problem. These mariners aren't Christians. They, they don't even know God, but they know enough to know that somebody has offended some God somewhere. Whether it's the God of the sea or the God of the wind or the God of something, you know, those paganistics in that day, they had lots of God. They know one thing, somebody has offended some kind of God somewhere, so everybody needs to get up and pray. And so they cast lots to find out who's the one causing the problem. And the lot falls on Jonah. Verse number 9, for the first time, Jonah opens his mouth and says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. What a terrible testimony. What a terrible testimony. 
that the man were exceeding afraid and said to him, Why has thou done this? For the man knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. Verse number 11. They said to him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? And the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And, and he said, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Y'all ready? All Jonah had to do was say, turn the ship around. Point me towards Nineveh and the storm will stop. Point me towards what God told me to do and everything will be okay. But here's what Jonah said. I would rather die. I would rather die in this sea, in this storm, than go tell Nineveh to repent because God will forgive them. I would rather die than see God show them somebody's going to need to pay attention. I would rather die than see God show them the same mercy he showed me. That's what Jonah said. Nevertheless, the men rode to bring it to land, but they could not for the same sea, for, or for the sea wrought. It was tempestuous against them. See, the men didn't want to throw him in. They did everything they could to try to save him. Like, look, no, man, we don't, we don't want to do that. We're, we're, we're going to try to overcome. But yet the sea got, got worse and worse. Then we see these pagan mariners here doing what the prophet of God should have been doing. They cried unto the Lord. They began to pray to Jonah's God. Well, you done take your God off, boy. You have made him mad. And I may not know him, but I'm going to talk to him. Lord, we beseech thee. We beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. Lay down upon us innocent blood. We're facing to cast this dude in the water like he said. Don't, don't lay it on us. For, for, for thou, O Lord, has done as it pleased thee. They prayed to Jonah's God. They took him up. They, they cast him forth into the sea. And the sea ceased from a raging. Look at verse 16. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. So we have this disobedient prophet, but we have some obedient Gentile mariners. See, God, while looking to send mercy up to the Ninevites, also extended mercy down to the mariners. There's no place that God's mercy can't reach. And there's no body that God's mercy is not looking to reach. God in his mercy is looking to save, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So here's what the journal says. It says we are inclined to rebel against God's word. It says we run from God when we should be running towards God. We run against God when we should be running with God. We run from God when we choose not to witness to somebody. We run from God when we choose not to go to church. We run from God when we choose not to read the Bible. We run from God when we choose not to pay our tithes. We run from God when we choose not to pray for our enemies. We run from God when we do anything that is contrary to the Word of God. To do anything against the Word of God is called rebellion. And rebellion is sin. And sin will never take you up. It will always take you down. Verse number 9, Jonah identified himself there as a Hebrew. That, that's a prideful statement. Jonah doesn't tell us all about this, but we know from the Word of God, Jonah's a hero to the Jews. 
Jonah prophesied some great things. He prophesied some successes of Israel. He, he prophesied the expansion of their borders. They've seen great things come true that Jonah prophesied. He's a hero. The Jews love him, but they hate the Ninevites. So, so Jonah knows, now if he goes up there, not only do they hate him, but he hates them. And if I go tell them about the goodness of God, and they repent, and they get the same salvation that I've gotten in spite of my sins, now all of a sudden all the people are going to hate me, and it's going to ruin his reputation. He went on and he told those mariners, he said, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. If that, are true, if that was true, then why is he running from him? See, following God sometimes don't get it. It's Sunday morning and everything, too. Following God sometimes ain't going to get it. Following God all the time is what God's looking for. It's not just right here while we're all cute and pretty and dressed up and, and, and amongst the, some, some good churchy people. No, God says, follow me when you're out there. Do what I tell you to do. Can, can I tell you something? Your opportunity to lead somebody to the Lord in here is a whole lot less likely than it is out there. Following God in here, you get to rub shoulders from people that are like-minded, but, but out there you get to be used by God. You get to be used for the glory of God. You get to let somebody see Christ in you that needs to see Christ. You, let some, you have an opportunity for somebody to see love that needs to see love. Forgiveness that needs to see forgiveness. But all they see is our bitterness if we're not following Christ. Following God sometimes ain't going to get it. Actions will always speak louder than words. People deliberately skip church. People deliberately don't help others. People deliberately don't tithe. People deliberately don't read their Bible every day. And they pridefully say, I'm a Christian. Thank, thank God that we, we see his mercy in every aspect of this story. God in, in his mercy is looking to save Nineveh. God in his mercy looked down to save these mariners. But God in his mercy is looking to save Jonah. The fish isn't the ministry. The fish is just, just part of the story. The fish is just a tool that God used to keep Jonah alive. See, God's not worried about what's going on in that fish's belly. God's worried about what's going on in Jonah's heart. The problem's a lot deeper than swallowed by the fish. It's obvious that God doesn't want Jonah dead. He could have handled that part without in the waters. God wants Jonah surrendered. And God can. And God will use people and problems and all the forces of nature to get us where he needs us to be. Verse number 17. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah's in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then in chapter 2, for the first time, we see Jonah pray. Prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell I cried. And thou heardest my voice. Isn't that just like us? When all else fails. When I've tried everything else. But I can't pay my bills. My, my marriage is, is falling apart. Everything in my world is, is upside down. And, and I have nowhere else to turn. Lord, I think I'm ready to pray now. Lord, I've tried everything else and you're all that's left. 
In the midst of my trouble, in my affliction, now I'm ready to pray. Now that I've run as far as I can and I can't get away, now in my hell on earth, I want to stop and pray. And half the time we're mad at God when we start praying because of what we've been through. And the whole reason we ended up in the storm and in the ocean and in the belly of the fish is because we were going in the wrong direction and we knew it. You look at Jonah. And what you see in Jonah is, is a personality. It's a, it's a personality there. God, God needs Jonah. God is the, Jonah is the personality that God wants to use. It's the kind of guy that he needs. I mean, Jonah is willing to die rather than to help the Ninevites. Jonah, Jonah has got this drive, this personality. God has to change some things in Jonah's heart. But Jonah's the kind of person that God needed for ministry like Nineveh. See, God told the church in Revelation, Laodicea, the church at Laodicea, he said, make up your mind. Either be hot or cold. This lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Make up your mind. If you're going to serve me, serve me. If you're not, don't. But get out of this casual Christianity garbage calling you something that you're not. Get out of this make-believe pretend talking about I'm a Hebrew and I fear God while running in the wrong direction. If you're going to serve me, serve me. But get out of this lukewarm attitude. See, God's not looking to make you and I into anybody else. God is looking to use you and I just like you are. Your strengths, your weaknesses, your successes, your failures, everything. God, listen, God didn't try to make David into Abraham. He, he, didn't, he didn't try to, to change the apostle Paul into Peter or try to turn Joshua into Moses. God used every one of them just like they are, just like they were in their personality. It's their heart that needed to change. They had to learn how to love people. They had to learn that people mattered. They had to learn that God could use them just like they See, God uses personalities just like they are. It's the heart of a person that has to be changed to make us usable. Here's your last one for your note card. God does his perfect work through imperfect people. Anybody feel like an imperfect people? You're the perfect person. If you realize how imperfect you are, you're the perfect one to be used by God. Because God does his perfect work through imperfect people. There, there's, there's, not, there's not a doubt in my mind. That there, there's somebody in here. And there's somebody out there on live stream, YouTube, or there. There's somebody running from God. Oh, every day there's people running from God. Some of them are running from salvation. Anybody witnessed anybody and you know you see the Holy Spirit convicting them and they just, they just won't? It's called running from God. God's pursuing them. God sent you to talk to them for a reason. God called them into a church to hear the gospel for a reason. It's called running from God. But can I tell you, lost people aren't the only ones that run from God. Jonah's a prophet and he's running from God. Christians run from God every day. 
Every one of us in here has got a purpose. Every one of us in here came in, 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 in our little description. Every one of us came with a plan. And God's got a plan for every life, for everybody sitting in here. There, there are people out there that God wants to save from hell, and he's looking to send us to witness to them to use our lives to make a difference in theirs. But yet people continue to run from God. People say they're a Christian, but they say no to the things that God sends them to do. People say they're a Christian, but they don't ever open that book and read it. People say they're a Christian, but they hold on to grudges just like the one Jonah's got. That's a pretty good definition of a grudge, isn't it? I would rather die than see them saved. That's a pretty good definition of a grudge. I don't want to do anything to help them. They've they, they done nothing for me. They've always been bad. So, so we have Christians holding on to grudges in their life. And can I tell you something? The grudge ain't hurting nobody but you. The grudge isn't hurting Nineveh. Now, number one, God was going to accomplish his will to Jonah. That's pretty obvious. I'm going to put you in an underwater taxi, the first known submarine, and I'm going to transport your little backside back, and I'm going to spit you out on the southern end, and you're going to make tracks and tell them. Because it, Jonah's got to know by now, if he's got a whale out here in the water, he's got a line over on the land. So I better get my act together. Now, in the study, we'll see all the things that was there and all that went through. This ain't the end of Jonah's story, just like it ain't the end of ours. Jonah ain't through being mad. He ain't through pouting. He, he, ain't through, he ain't through being mad about what God did for somebody else. Can I tell you, you and I have no right to be mad at God for blessing somebody else? What God does is God's business. If God allows somebody to be a billionaire that, that, that is mean as a snake and ruthless and never been saved and doing evil, that's God's business. Their day will come. Unless God sends a Jonah in their life. And they repent and turn from their wickedness. But Jonah wanted to be mad. He didn't, he didn't want God to do something for somebody else. And so the same level that he'd done for Jonah. See, that, 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 that's how we are. We, we've got to remember how merciful God is to us. How much forgiveness God has shown to us. And understand that God is looking to use us. There ain't a doubt in my mind. There's somebody running from something. Might be ministries. Maybe you're supposed to be involved in some of the ministries that we're doing here. Maybe God's given you something to do. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's in your community. Maybe it's right here. I don't know. But I do know this. <laughs> it's only two things you can do. You can either do the will of God or run from God. It's the only two options. And I know there's people that need to be saved. And I know the Holy Spirit is casting a net every single day. The souls will be saved. Man, if you guys would come on up. I, I want to ask if you would just stand where you are. We're, we're going to go back on Wednesday nights. And we're, we're going to break down some verses and some verse by verse. And see if we can learn some things from the story of Jonah. That would help us serve better. That would help us do better, that would, that would help us be used by God better. I hope, I hope some of you guys can, can maybe come on Wednesday night and join in on the Bible study with us. We just, just learn some stuff. It's a whole lot less of a message. It's literally just a study verse by verse. We do a couple of old hymnals around the piano. It's just a good time to fellowship and learn some things about the Word of God. But I wonder... 
I want some things that we need to get right now. I want to ask you guys to you bow your head. Listen, you're welcome to, to come pray. You don't have to be running from God to come pray. Can I just go ahead and plug that in for you? You don't have to be running from God to come pray. You, you can just come and say, Father, here I am. Use me as you will. If, there, if, there's, a, if there's a Nineveh nearby me, sign me up. I'm, I'm all in. I want to be used by you. If there's some people out there that are hurting and you can use me to help get rid of their hurt, I want you to use me. I'm, I'm all in. If there's some people out there that's struggling and you can use me to help them get beyond their struggles, I want you to use me. I'm, I'm all in. If, if there's some people out there that need some compassion, need somebody to pray with them, need somebody to make a difference in their life, sign me up, use me. I'm, I'm all in. You don't, you don't have to be running from God to come to the altar. But if you are running from God, it would be a pretty good place to start. Say, Father, I just, just forgive me. But I wonder if there's anybody in here or out there on live stream, you're running from God, you know you've never been saved. You know you've never been washed in the blood. You know you need to be saved. I don't, listen, there, there's every level of people. There's people that grew up in church, they've heard the gospel their whole life. They can quote more scripture than I can even think of. But they've never trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. The only thing going to get us into heaven is surrendering everything to God and be washed in the blood. That all of our sins are washed away. That our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Going to church doesn't get it. Hanging around church, your people doesn't get it. It's all about Christ. None other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I wonder if there's anybody that says, I've run long enough. I don't know. In here, out there, you don't have to be in church to be saved. Thank God you can be saved anywhere. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved wherever you are wherever you are but it's up to you to say father i'm a sinner for all of sin that comes short of the glory of god we know we're a sinner first thing you got to do is recognize yourself in your sins father i'm a sinner and i'm asking you to forgive me of my sin i'm asking you father to save my soul salvation is not a lip service you don't you don't get to say father just save my soul and buy fire insurance and then go on out and live your life with the devil Salvation is the surrender of the heart. Father, I surrender my life to you, and I'm asking you to save me and use my life for your glory. I'm asking you to save my soul. I want to live for you from this day forward. And I'm asking now in Jesus' name, through the blood of Jesus Christ, would you save my soul? See, if you're willing, regardless of where you are, if you're willing to trust Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, God is willing to save you right where you're at, right where you are, and wash away all your sin and write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Wouldn't it be awesome to have everything change today? Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Go ahead, God.